What's up, peeps? Welcome to the Evan Flow Podcast. It's me, your boy, Evan Britton. It's excellent to be with you guys on this magnificent day. I hope this finds you standing in your power, living in your highest greatness. The world needs you, y'all. So today's episode is brought to you by Wake. Head over to wake.net, use code EBBENFLOW to get 10% off and free shipping on your next order of fantastic, functional fungi. They've got incredible products, lion's mane, turkey tail, reishi, cordyceps, the comprehensive health blend. I live by these things, guys. It's transformed my life, honestly, after suffering myriad concussions throughout my football career, having all sorts of neurological issues, nerve damage. Man, these things have helped me get back on track, heal the minutia of my system, and I'm super grateful. So check them out. If you're looking for a cognitive boost, if you're looking for some immune support, digestive health, etc., Look no further than the functional fungi from Wake. So head over to wake.net, use code EBBENFLOW to get 10% off and free shipping on your next order. You won't regret it. It's very good stuff. Other than that, today's episode is The Witness. The Witness Part 1. My brother Gus and I... You know, as I've said, this show has really turned into a spiritual dialogue about consciousness, about culture, about the way we as human beings move and interact our way through this thing called life. We talk about the nature of evil versus ignorance. Is there such a thing as true evil? It's interesting. From a spiritual perspective, the answer may in fact be no. It's hard, to, it's hard to wrap your mind around that. But we look into that. We have a lot of fun, uh, as always. I think you guys will enjoy it. Before I send you off to check this episode out, join us on the Power Tribe at patreon.com forward slash edsbritain. For bonus content, connect with me, all the good stuff, meditations, breath work, yoga flows, workout routines, how I eat, how I think, all that. Love to see you guys there. We're building the power tribe, y'all. So lots of love to you. Have an excellent rest of your day. Enjoy this episode, and I'll see y'all next time. Peace. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source. The key of imagination, your admission. Access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light. The place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux. Only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come. Testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow.
Hey everyone, it's good to be with you all on this magnificent evening we have here. The sun is shining, the sky is blue, it's peaceful out there, doing what I can to come to terms with the peace. So I thought I'd kick this thing off with uh, an excerpt from the Bhagavad Gita, one of my favorites. I read this the other morning and it blew my mind. Chapter 15, The Ultimate Person. Krishna said, This realm of sorrow is the world tree that the sages describe, its roots above, its branches below, its green leaves the sacred hymns. Its branches spreading below and above are fed by the gunas, and bud into objects of the senses, its roots causing action stretch down into the world of men. Men here on earth cannot see how vast and extensive its form is, or where it begins and ends. Cut down this deep-rooted tree with the sharp-edged axe of detachment. Then search for that primal person from whom the whole universe flows. This book is just full of power. It's so intense. As always, I'm joined by my brother, Augustus. Hello. Gus, how are you? I'm feeling and... I was wondering what I would say when you asked how I was how I was. <laughs> um, feeling a lot of different things lately. Mm. A lot of different things. Just learning not to attach. Like we were talking about today of... Everything ebbs and flows. I mean, it's funny, this podcast, the ebb and flow, but it's so interesting the more I become the witness to life, the more I recognize, you know, and it's kind of an easy concept, like it's a really easy concept to just say, but then it's like to actually have it happen in real time is a different thing where you're like, like you, you called me today or we don't even need to use your example. It's like, okay, I'm really angry. And then it's like, you're sitting there and the witness is going, yeah, well tomorrow you'll probably be great. Or in three days, you'll probably be great because it's like the more you're the witness, the more times you've gone around the carousel. So you're like, oh, we've been here before. Remember this? Oh, wow, I had the success. Oh, geez, well, in three days, am I going to be angry or something? I heard this thing today where it said, Okay, so the, the unconscious person thinks suffering is awful. 
The conscious person thinks suffering is grace. The enlightened person thinks suffering is grace and it's awful. So it's like the enlightened person can be there with all of it. Mm. It's like I think there's a bit of a trap when you're on your way toward enlightenment, which I believe we are, if I may say so, because we are awake. We're doing our spiritual practice towards some form of awakeness. We practice yoga every day. But you can kind of lose that feeling of the suffering is grace, but it's also awful, and that's okay. As opposed to thinking it's all supposed to be grace. You yeah. know, it's all supposed, it's all good. It's all good. We're yeah. fine. We're fine, you know? Yeah. Well, part of the trap in all of that is that you get lulled into feeling high all the time and you forget. Meanwhile, getting more and more sensitive because your awareness is getting heightened. So the higher your awareness goes, the deeper your sensitivity gets. So then you find yourself back on the carousel at ride, you know, at turn number three, which is the feeling of being super overwhelmed or angry or grief stricken or unhappy or discontent, whatever it is but you're feeling it heavier. You're feeling it more intensely, but that doesn't mean that you've taken steps back. In fact, you've gone, you've progressed to such a level that now you're super aware of the thing you're feeling back in the cycle. And you forget, you forget, you forget. Oh, yeah. I remember this place. You know, the blessing for me today, having a day of feeling overwhelmed and like I have a million things to do and not enough time to do it. And I don't know. All the other stuff, which has been a thing in my life for sure, that at other times has wreaked havoc on my day. But today, you know, we were talking about it and my, the progress is that I, I see it all happening. I feel all this shit happening inside of me, the overwhelmedness, the weight of it in my chest and back and shoulders and neck. But I don't have to react out of it. I don't have to get frustrated. I can just keep breathing and go, okay, I'll do one thing at a time. Write out a list of everything I have to do. I'll take care of one thing at a time. That's all I can do. That's all I can do. I find myself, I get wrapped up in this idea. I, I get wrapped up in this sensation or disappointment that I'm not God and I can't do it all at once. You know, it's like, yeah, boy, I mean, what do you want to do? Want to do all this stuff now? You can't. You got to do just one thing at a time. Make a list. Do one thing at a time. 
And then slowly but surely, like I clawed my way back into the light and I was like, okay, I can take a breath. I can breathe. I can, that weight is lighter. I feel like I've made progress. Yeah. And that's the blessing of, of the mindfulness. That's the blessing of the awareness. And to finish off that thought, the trap is that I think I shouldn't feel this anymore. Yeah. Or I forget how heavy the feelings can feel or that because I'm at this stage, then the feelings are going to be lighter. Right. But in fact, the opposite is true because you're more aware. Yeah. And then the the word that you said that plagues our culture is react. Yeah. Because when you're less conscious and you've cultivated less of the witness or you've cultivated no witness, then you're just purely reacting. You wake up, your back hurts, you're angry, you react. You throw you throw the mug against the wall. Or you hit something or you yell at somebody because they blah, blah. brushed you wrong. Yeah, or you cut somebody off, or you then, you know, go have nine drinks after work as opposed to one. And then you feel guilt, and then you feel shame, and then it's like the karma builds. You've got more karma in your bag. So, so you might ask, you know, what's the benefit of, the benefit of having the witness... And being able to sit with the anger, sit with the joy, not attached to it. Well, the benefit is that you don't react to it. We can act, but we don't react. And the reactivity causes a lot of gnarly stuff in our world we live trauma in a, we live in a reactive world wouldn't you say definitely that's just one reaction after another trauma damage most damage and most trauma occurs out of people's reactions yeah like rarely is a traumatic event occur out of a conscious action yeah yeah. You know, I was talking to my buddy Joshua the other day. And he's one of my mentors. He's brilliant. He's super tapped in. And we really went down the rabbit hole of does evil exist? Is there such thing as evil? His yeah. thing is no. I, I, I'm always, I'm always sort of. His thing is completely no. I want to believe that too. I want to believe no too. And then I, whenever you say that, I come back to, and I've said this a lot to you, the right use of will thing, where she brings up the dark entities. Yeah. 
Because I don't, I don't know. What is your thought? Sorry, I wanted to interject that. No, it's a good point. It's a good interjection. I mean, I'm. Uh, I don't know. I'm torn, man. Socrates said there is no evil but ignorance. I would like to think that every person on this planet is doing the best they can with what they have and always trying to do the quote-unquote right thing or good thing or positive thing. But I think just like we have darkness or just like we have, yeah, just like we have darkness and we have light, I mean, there's yin and yang in everything. There's positive and negative. There's polar. There's polarity in all things. There's genders. There's male and female. There's black and white. There's all of it. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. That's interesting in terms of like something like the yin and yang or like the Kybalian bit you read the other day where the pe- the pendulum will always swing the other way. But I don't know if that has to do with good and evil. But then again, why would the words good and evil exist if they weren't to be taken account for? But my answer for you is well, it's not about, well, what? Well, let me, let me say this. It's not about good and evil, Eb. It's about, from a yogic standpoint... Your karma, your, you know, whatever karma in this iteration of incarnation that you're working through. So if that karma includes a low level of consciousness where you do a lot of reactive shit, criminal things, blow things, whatever it may be, See, somebody somebody could very reasonably say, well, that's bullshit. Because there's people in this world that do evil stuff. I know. Like somebody could very reasonably say, you're not going to sit here and tell me Hitler wasn't evil. He was just working out his karma. He's just, you know, he was just the, you know, poor guy, you know. It's like you could very reasonably sit there and say that. Yeah. And you could also very reasonably say Hitler thought he was doing the right thing. But let me ask you this question. Somebody has something terrible done to them, right? Yeah. Somebody has perpetrated something, something awful to them. Now... Let's say it happens to you when you're young. Do you take the energetic opportunity to spend the rest of your life living in spite and resentment toward that person, condemning them as evil, or do you take the energetic opportunity to find compassion and love for them and recognize the shared humanity and who they are? And then open up. Because if you go the resentment route, that's going to hurt you. If you're going to go, if you go the route that they're just evil, 
that's going to F you up yeah. as opposed to going the compassionate open route and seeing the shared humanity and seeing the unfortunate circumstances because they were traumatized too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. And you're just carrying that, that resentment, that anger, that whatever it is that you end up carrying around for your whole life. I just had a massive realization about this. Right now? No. Uh, a couple weekends ago at Pop-Up's funeral. Uh-huh. Where I realized that acute traumas are caused by external forces. But really, it's on us how deep that wound goes and how long we carry that trauma with us. Right. That's on us because normally the people who caused the traumas, they didn't even know what they did. Right. They didn't even know Mm -hmm. what they were doing, how they hurt you. Usually. Yeah. You know, well, didn't you just say trauma comes out of an unconscious Yes. Act? Yes. So they didn't know. You want to hear the definition of evil? Sure. So as an adjective, there's five various adjective definitions for evil. Morally wrong or bad, immoral, wicked, evil deeds, and evil life. Harmful, detrimental. Characterized or accompanied by misfortune or suffering, unfortunate, disastrous, to be fallen on evil days. Due to actual or imputed bad conduct or character, an evil reputation. Marked by anger, irritability, irascibility, etc. He is known for his evil disposition. Now, as a noun, which I think applies more to what we're talking about. Is there evil in the world? That which is evil, evil quality, intention, or conduct. To choose the lesser of two evils. The force in nature that governs and gives rise to wickedness and sin. The wicked or immoral part of someone or something The evil in his nature has destroyed the good. Harm, mischief, misfortune, to wish one evil. Anything causing injury or harm, tobacco is considered by some to be an evil. But that's not true because tobacco is medicinal in its natural state. Yeah. Yeah, when it's made by a fucking cigarette company and lathered with pesticides and arsenic and all kinds of shit yeah then it becomes this carcinogenic horrific substance but tobacco in its natural form is super medicinal well that's i mean that's that's kind of a that's another conversation but there is something interesting in that in that it's not about the object but about the person using the object you know you could use it you could use a knife to create a beautiful sculpture. Yeah. But you could also hurt somebody with a knife. Yeah. Or, you know, a hammer. You could build a house with a hammer. You could also fucking kill somebody with it. 
a disease as king's evil. Hmm. Adverb, in an evil manner, badly ill, idioms, the evil one, the devil, Satan. So, oh, the thing I was going to say earlier, Gus, when you asked, you said, why do we even have these terms of good and evil? But that goes back to our earlier conversation, how arbitrary words are and terms and labels. It's just another creation of the human dialect to describe something. But I struggle with it, man. I struggle with it. I think the answer is really yes and no. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's it's uh, it's relative to me. Like the truth of that does evil exist is relative. It's relative to the situation. It's relative to the karmic predicament. It's relative to the person. Space and time dictate relative truths. Who said that? Space and time dictate relative truth. You know, like you can't put babies in a room together or children that have just learned to walk and they start hurting each other. Like it doesn't happen. Yeah. So like in that paradigm, evil doesn't exist. You put three people in a room together, evil could possibly crop up. But then again, well, but then again, we could say if your world, if you're mirroring out to the world that evil doesn't exist, then evil doesn't exist. Yeah, it's true. Okay, so that's relative too. It's true. So if Joshua's living in a paradigm where evil doesn't exist, then evil doesn't exist. Yeah, it's true. So that's that. It's true. We really want to blame someone we really want to be able to say it's their fault we really want to be able to do that oh god we live for that politics is all that yeah we really want to be able to say no it's fucked because of that guy over there that person is an evil motherfucker who's done x y and z why is that such a thing for us rather than saying Because it's so anti-tribe, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is very anti-tribe. But but really, it 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 rids the individual of the responsibility or the accountability of taking accountability for themselves. Like it's almost like every president is an opportunity for somebody to waste the next four years of their life. <laughs> to like, to like exactly like you're saying, to have an excuse to say the next few, the next four, as to why the next four years were shit. Yeah. Like Trump, people loved saying that the next four years, or the four year, the last four years were away. Like, like he was such an, he was such a perfect example of, pulling out the evil label to kind of 
get this get out of jail free card on something it seemed yeah and now we can see that that's why i don't really get into like i don't really believe in like left or right i'm i'm yeah. center I, I like i i like certain things that liberals liberals believe i like certain things that conservatives believe but like you can even see it in some of the more conservative media to where it's like, oh, well, they're just kind of playing the game now where Biden is the new is the new nut job. You know, they've just yeah. kind of flipped the script to where it was last year. It was the liberals doing it to Trump. Right. Yeah. So then you're just caught. You're caught again. <laughs> yeah. 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 Politics is horseshit because it's all just it's all uh, it's. It doesn't, it literally doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter who's in there at the end of the day. I was talking to this dude, a buddy of mine, earlier today. And he said he went to this incredible, like, week-long workshop. It was like a meditation, healing workshop. And he said part of it, you get a therapist assigned to you for throughout the week that you reflect with. And he said he kept telling this woman all the shit in his life that, that was wrong. Mm -hmm. Like all the things that weren't working right. And he said, every time he said that said, you know, so-and-so does this, or my wife does this. Every time he said something like that, he said, the therapist would say, I don't care about that. What do you want? How do you feel? Where are you at? Every time he said. And he said, by the end of it, he realized there's just no fruits in complaining or bl doing the blame game. Yeah. And, and that's true in life, dude. Like yeah. anything. You want to blame the president for X, Y, or Z. First of all, think about, does it have any effect on your life, mm -hmm. A? B, if you don't like that, what do you like? What works for you? Why don't you spend your time doing that? Yeah. What do you want? What do you need? Right? If yeah. you When you turn it that way, right. because it's liberation. It's liberation when you stop going, I can't do X, Y, or Z because of that person. My life will be better when they do something else. You're fucking yourself. You're creating a prison for yourself. Yeah. That you're never going to get out of. So you might as well start spending your time figuring out what the fuck it is that makes you feel good and what you want to do and just do that. Focus on that. Okay. Whatever it is. Yeah, you might as well. I mean, that's one of the things, that's one of the principal things that I love about 12-step programs is that you live in the solution. Yeah. It's it's always that. It's like that's something that's so profound with 12-step programs for me. It's like, okay, so how do you keep your side of the cl street clean? Right. Great. They did that. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So now what are you going to do? What's the solution here? Because we don't dwell in the problem. 
Yeah, the does problem no good. was the old shit. I mean, I love that. Yeah. And I've been in relationships with people where there's none of the solution and there's no relationship. I mean, you can't even you can't even do it. It's just one drama veil after another. It's like, okay, how do we get to the solution? Great. The eggs fucking exploded. It's all over the kitchen. Now, what's the solution now? We clean it up. Great. I mean, clean it up. Then how, what else do we have to how eat? How long okay. are we going to stay in the drama? Three seconds? You want to stay three hours, I know, but I want to stay three seconds, you know, or three minutes max. And then let's just, what's the solution? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, keeping your side of the street clean. I love that. Or I used to do this thing where, first of all, I've always had a, you know, one of my big things that I've worked through is saying yes to everything. Mm -hmm. So when you say yes to everything, you inevitably find yourself at some point so overburdened by obligations and responsibilities to other people that you start to lose your mind. Right. Yeah. So then you get into the game. Then I would get into the game where things I would have double booked my day. And I'd have to start making the phone calls or sending the text to reorganize my day. First of all, that would come with a lot of apologizing and saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I have to cancel this X, Y, Z. I'm so sorry. I have to do this. Um, I'm so sorry. Can we meet later instead of now, etc., right? On top of the apologizing, which you should never do. You should never apologize to anyone unless you need to make an amends, but you should never apologize to anyone when you have to take care of something. When you need to put your needs in front of something that was planned. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some caveats to that. For instance, if you're dealing with someone, you you guys get, I, I don't need to fucking explain all that. But the next thing you start doing is you start explaining to people all the things that you had to like reorganize, right? Or because you had to go do this, then you had to reorganize and reschedule them and, the, you know? Uh-huh. But what's incredible when you start to become more whole is you start to go, oh, I just need to tell this person this thing. Hey, I need to reschedule. Can you do this time? Right. Boom. Rather than like taking them through the whole rigmarole of like the thing. Like this morning, I was super overwhelmed and Mm -hmm. I called you. Because we had talked about doing a pod at noon today. Yeah. And I almost, I found myself going, hey, dude. And like my mind, the old programming was going, tell him about X, Y, and Z. And you got to do this. And you're busy and you're overwhelmed. But then I just said, hey, can we do the pod this evening instead of at noon? (laughs) That's what came out of my mouth. Uh Uh-huh. And I was like, look at that, dude. That's all Gus needed. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't need to burden Gus with, I need to go meet with this guy and I need to get work done this morning and this and that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of what I wanted to tell you. Right. <laughs> but instead, I just said, hey, dude, pause. Took a breath. 
can we just do our podcast later this evening? I got to do something this morning. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, for sure. I've had to, I've had to kind of practice the, the flip side of that saying no. Well, yeah, that's what I, I mean, that was the learning to say no is so powerful, man. Yeah. And just, but that comes with a, wouldn't you say that comes with a lot of mindfulness? Yes. And becoming aware of yourself and your own, your own capabilities and your own time and respecting Mm. yourself, dude. The witness, the witness too. Because now you're not flying off the, you're not spinning off the planet with all the things you think you have to do or all the people you think you have to take care of. And you're just going, wait a minute, wait a minute. Right. I have this much time in a day. Yeah. I got to take care of me first. Uh Uh-huh. And then, okay, how much time do I really have? Yeah, the apologizing thing is really profound. I once had a guy, a spiritual fellow, say to me to observe and witness how often I apologize, Mm -hmm. like in a week. Even if it's casual, quote-unquote casual, even if I casually like text somebody, sorry, I can't be there. Like that word, sorry, like some sort of victim paradigm is built up or some paradigm is built up that doesn't, that disempowers you when you continue apologizing as opposed to just saying what the truth is. You know, I think you, you know, and on your note of not explaining away why I can't do the thing. There is, I've noticed, because I've practiced like not apologizing for a while. I notice I do have to say a little bit of context because I I can't, because I've tried to take it like full throttle and just be like, no. And then the person will be like, well, would it, like, can you give me some info? Right, you know right. what I mean? It's a case by yeah, case. Yeah, so it's like, you know, being conscientious about it. But there's something about... You'd be respectful. Yes. There's something about empowering yourself and, be you know, being in your power seat. Yeah, that's... Having, having your seat of power that you are a worthwhile person. You're yes. not a martyr. Your time is worthwhile. Your life is worthwhile. Yes. Because very often we grow up in dynamics where that just doesn't really happen. Yeah, you don't think you're not even giving you're disempowering yourself. You're saying I'm not worthy. I'm not I I don't I know, I know I don't get to have my own life, but please, please, I'm sorry, I need to reschedule. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I also think it's funny when people say this. Words are so funny to me, and I've kind of let I've loosened the reins. I've just been like, fuck, I've just been like, fuck it. Everybody uses their own stuff. But like when somebody says to me, no worries, like who was worried? I wasn't worried. <laughs> like somebody like texts me, like, like I'm like, I can't do something, and they're like, no worries. I'm like, I wasn't worried. <laughs> Who's who the fuck is worried? Are you worried? There's nothing to be worried about. No shit, dude. You know, or, uh, oh, the other one I don't particularly like, which I've also loosened the reins up, and I'm fine. It's fine. I'm, I'm fine now. People say it is sure. 
Like if I say, "Hey, do you want to do something?" or, sure or can we do so this? Sure is so fucking say, ambiguous. They say, "Sure." I'm like, "Do you want to do it?" Yes. Like, I, <laughs> sure. We don't have to do it. Yeah. I don't care. We don't yeah. need to do the thing. Sure in a text too yeah. is the worst. Don't give me sure. I don't know what you're saying. At least spoken sure you can get some right. energetic intonation of yeah. whether or not they're actually interested. Right. But through a text, sure is like. Cause sure makes it seem Do like you you're doing want, me a favor. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Do you care? Yeah. Did I just ask to shit on I've, your floor? I've, I've expressed that to somebody and they continued using sure. And I was like, oh, great. Uh, whatever. That's just how they want to communicate. Okay. I can move forward from there. But see, that's like kind of, an, that's, that was an interesting practice for me. Just being there with their sure. Mm. Yeah, and for just sure. showing up with their shore, whatever. Okay, that's how they do it. It's all grist for the mill, brother. Exactly. It's all grist. Exactly. As our man Ramdas would say. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Hey, here's this. Sure. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Here's this. I wanted to say an ignorance is bliss thing. Ignorance is bliss is a phrase coined by Thomas Gray. In his 1768, Ode on a Distant Prospect of Eton College, which I think is a poem. Um, it's an ode. I guess that's a kind of poem. But the sentiment was was previously expressed by Publilius Cirrus, Publilius Cirrus, where he said in Latin, In nil sapiendo vita iu condissima est, which means in knowing nothing, Life is most beautiful. Mm. And I was think and I was just listening to this Ramdas talk before you came over and Ram- I'm sure you've heard him say this. He said in order to become nobody you have to first be somebody. Mm. Mm-hmm. So this ignorance is bliss thing is true, but you can't just start out with ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Because I've heard Osho also say ignorance is bliss. Like he used it as a as a truism. But you can't begin there. Right, Eb? Wouldn't you say? What's your thought on that? It's mm, good. I'm thinking about it also. Ignorance is bliss in correlation with there is no evil but ignorance. And you're saying it now because I've... I just think, well, see, that I, goes back to there's different situations then. I mean, there's... No, but, no, no. But you're, the way you're saying it uh-huh, to me, uh-huh. I'm for the, maybe for the first time in my life, I'm hearing the spiritual connotations of the uh-huh. ignorance of, is bliss right. from the yogic standpoint of knowing nothing is... Right. Is the bedrock of spiritual peace. Or the Socratic Socrates, I know that I know nothing. Right, Exactly. But I've always looked at it from like from this is hilarious, but it's it always sticks in my mind from the Matrix uh-huh. when Joe Pantoliano uh-huh. is meeting with Mister Smith and he's giving away the the coordinates of the of of Morpheus and Neo uh-huh. and the ship, and he's saying, "I want to remember." He's eating this steak. Oh, yeah, interesting. In this, like, really, in the Matrix, in, like, this really nice steakhouse. And he's Uh like, I want to remember nothing. (laughs) 
<laughs> and he says, he's like, you know, ignorance is bliss. He says that. He says it? Yeah, so I've I've always thought of it from that. So that was like his Matrix wish or something? Because he, he said, look, he hated it in the real world. Oh, uh-huh. And he's giving up all the people that Mr. Smith and the, the AI want to uh-huh. kill and, and erase. Uh-huh. And... You know, he's basically saying, like, I want to be rich. I want to be, you know, I want this. And he, you know, and he's because he's making his deal of, like, who he's going to be back in the Matrix. Because uh-huh. they're going to un- replug him in. Oh, right, right. In exchange for Morpheus and Neo and, yeah. and all the people who are fighting them. And uh, fighting the machines. And, uh, yeah, he says in there, he's like, I want to remember nothing. I love that. Ignorance is bliss after he eats the steak. And I've always thought of that term, that that phrase as something negative. But you just said it in a way that really made me realize that it's actually the. It's I mean, that's that's the bedrock of spiritual bliss right there. Not knowing anything or knowing that, you know, nothing. Well, again, back to this yin and yang. But see, yeah, yeah. Well, but but back to the yin and yang and the pendulum swing and the relative truth of it. You could look at it one way, have this feeling, look at it another way, have that feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Who said that there's no evil but ignorance? That's what you were just saying, Socrates, Socrates. But he also said, I know that I know nothing. Right, so he's talking about it from another perspective, you know. He's talking about ignorance as unconsciousness or unawareness. See, He's talking about what we started talking about, which is most trauma is inflicted through unconscious reactionary events. See, that's the type of ignorance that you don't want. Right. You know, and that to me, that to me is back to that profound sentiment of saying you can't become nobody without first becoming somebody, which also means we could flip that and say you can't become ignorant without becoming knowledgeable or wise. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can't go back. Until I'm, isn't it interesting how you like start out perfect and pure, all this shit happens, and then you try to get perfect and pure again, if you're lucky enough to become conscious of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, you come in from the ether. You drop into your mother's womb from the ether, the soul realm, whatever you want to call it, the source, drop in. You come in, you get birthed into the physical realm. And when my daughter was born, I looked into her eyes and I could tell she had just come from God. 
Interesting. It was so clear. I was like, you know all the secrets of the universe. Not to mention, if you've ever... If you've ever been in the... I mean, watching my child being... It was just like a fucking... You, I mean, the universe is in the womb. And this thing, this being, comes out of it. It's fucking mind-blowing. Transformative experience, for sure. And, and how powerful that women are the, the gateway of that. Yeah. Um, but that whole experience, I, re- I was like, oh my God, this, this baby... This newborn knows everything Mm. and has no way of expressing any of it, which is the incredible dilemma. But it was, she was so pure and we're all that, we're all that way. The other incredible realization I had watching my infant daughter it was profound because I realized watching her, I was like, man, you really have no fucking idea what people have been through in their lives. Because every single person you've ever met was this innocent child at one stage. Mm-hmm. And there's so much time to get from being born into the world to the moment when you're sitting in front of the adult version of them, you have no fucking clue what that person's been through. Yeah. And therefore, how do you judge somebody? I lost a lot of judgment. I've been a pretty judgmental asshole a lot of my life. I lost a lot of that in the birth of my daughter nine years ago. It was because it, it occurred to me, it was so deep it was like wow how can you judge anybody i stay away from it like the plague i know i don't i don't get into it it hurts me i can feel it poisoning me when i'm judging somebody i can actually feel i'm so close to that yeah well yeah it's super <laughs> it's poison it is man it does you no good does no good. You just have no clue. You have no fucking clue what a person has been through to get to the place where they're standing, sitting in front of you. Yeah. No idea. There's been so much has happened in that person's life. Wild. It's a trip, man. It's a yeah. trip. Yeah, it is. It is. I don't know. This has turned into a really good conversation. I mean, we came in. I didn't know what we were going to talk about. Yeah, Ignorance well, is bliss. There is no... The witness. Evil, but ignorance. Being the witness. It always comes back to that. I mean, the witness. That's what blew my mind about this piece from the Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, you want to read it again with the context of what we've said now? Yeah. 
Krishna said, This realm of sorrow is the world tree that the sages describe. Its roots above, its branches below, its green leaves, the sacred hymns. Its branches spreading below and above are fed by the gunas and bud into objects of the senses, its roots causing action stretched down into the world of men. Men here on earth cannot see how vast and extensive its form is or where it begins and ends. Cut down this deep-rooted tree with the sharp-edged axe of detachment. Then search for that primal person from whom the whole universe flows. Find him in the place that one enters and does not return from, without arrogance or delusion, intent on the self alone, serene with desires extinguished, released from pleasure and pain, from joy and suffering, the wise attain that eternal state. The sun does not give it light, nor the moon, nor does any fire, those who reach it, my highest dwelling, are never reborn. One fragment of me, becoming an eternal soul in the world, draws to itself the mind and the other five nature-born senses. I just love that. What chapter is that from? That's chapter 15, The Ultimate Person. The three gunas are a really interesting thing. Yeah, I I just pulled them up. The three gunas. Yeah, there's tamas, which is stability, and I think these ha- these have different definitions. They can, but tamas, stability, rajas, activity, and sattva, which is consciousness, yeah. stability, activity. It's interesting that in that because I've heard those translations too, mm-hmm. but in this, the three go the three gunas born of nature, sattva, sattva. Rajas and Tamas bind to the mortal body, the deathless embodied self. Of these three, Sattva, untainted, luminous, free from sorrow, binds by means of attachment to knowledge and joy, Arjuna. Rajas is marked by passion, born of craving and attachment. It binds the embodied self to never-ending activity. Tamas, ignorance-born, deludes all embodied beings. It binds them, Arjuna, by means of dullness, indolence, and sleep. But that, um... I feel like I have, I've lived a very rajic life. Yeah, that makes sense. Moving my way into sattva. Yeah, but, you know, that whole... Um, kind of chronology or trajectory that Krishna gives there about the tree feels very much like what we're talking about, about detaching from yes. whatever's going on, whether it's anger, lust, love, joy. Okay, just let it be there. Feel it. See, we attach to these things, back to the label thing, It seems like we attach to these things when we label them as opposed to just being there with them. Okay. So that, that's a whole, that's another thing. But so detaching, not reacting to it and then doing your practice. I mean, that's such an incredible passage because he almost gives a whole chronology or trajectory of the yogi. Yeah. 
looking at the branches, the roots, then cutting down the trees. And the, yeah. I mean, the whole thing is kind of perfect. Oh, like you could break that down and just do a whole study, do a whole practice on that. Yeah. I mean, like you just said, you said it perfectly, dude. This The whole book is really about detaching from the labels, the ideas, the expectations, the pleasure, the pain, the joy, the sorrow. And the true enlightened being is the one that's just fucking, you're just living, dude. It's like, I, I you know, hey. Well, it's, shit's fucked up. Like, you know, you could say shit is fucked up. The house just burned down. But man, I'm fucking good. Yeah. Well, and I should say, though, that doesn't mean like I'm not aware that, you know, the bad thing, the quote unquote bad thing just happened. It's just you're not attached to it in a way where you're drugged down into the sorrow of it. Yeah, and it's also interesting that you brought up the yes and no aspect of life because it's very, this is very much a yes and no conversation or a conversation based around how do we go about practicing an honest yes or no? Because it's not that the yogi or the enlightened being or the Christ or the Buddha or it's not that they don't say yes or no, but they're tapped into their truth to where they have no problem with whether it's yes or no. Like I said that story to you a little while ago that I read about Neem Karoli, who's Ram Dass, uh, guru, where dozens and dozens of people were coming to visit him. And they had to make this like month-long trek to come visit him. And when they got there, they were all supposed to have dinner. And Neem Karoli didn't ask for anybody to come. He didn't like fucking invite anybody. He didn't ask anybody to come kiss his feet. He's not asking to have dinner. He's not in that. He's But these people are coming to see him. And when they arrive, after the 30-day long, long, arduous trek... They get there, they sit down at the table, Neem Karoli comes out and just leaves and just walks out the door and everybody's going, where's he going? And that was just like a really interesting um, example to me, Eb, of like, oh, he wasn't being an asshole. He was being himself. Yep. And if you think he's an asshole, that's your problem. Right. Yeah. Your perception of me is your problem. And uh -huh. that kind of comes around to the not apologizing for whoever you are. Yeah. You know, we get in, we also get into trouble, I think, in life and culture because we get concerned that people aren't going to like us or we get concerned about yeah. what other people's perception of us is. Yes. As opposed to detaching from whatever happens, happens. Yes. But see, not everybody lives in that paradigm where they can be okay with that. Mm-hmm. To where it's like, oh, he just left. He's gone. Well, I guess maybe I'll see him in a week or maybe I'll never see him again. I have no idea. Maybe right. that was my whole, maybe Experience. that was my whole Zen Cohen 
with Neem Caroli. I do a trip. I'm really eager and excited. I get there and nothing happens. Maybe that's the whole Cohen of it. Yeah. That was the teaching. Yeah. I love that, dude. Or as Gandhi said, I cannot be held to the promises I made yesterday. Powerful, man. Powerful. In the West, we go, what? How the fuck? You got to be there, man. You got to fucking. But on the ride of being absolutely 1000% true to yourself. Now, that doesn't mean that. see, See, this is interesting because here we are saying, giving an example of a guru doing a thing, right? So then the young people go, oh, well, I just don't need to show up. No, but that's not what we're saying at all. No, I know, Gus, but I mean, it's like me talking about cannabis as medicine. It gives, there's a huge population of people that that gives them a green light to just start smoking weed all day. Well, then fall on your face. Find the key. Yeah. Fucking walk out. See what happens. <laughs> it's true. It's good. I'm not saying you just you just be Neem Caroli from the jump. There's gonna be there's gonna be a a pretty long practice period. It may be your whole life. I don't know. But smoke the weed. Yeah. Walk out of the room. Say no and don't apologize. If disappointing somebody means empowering yourself, maybe try it. See what happens. I guess you'll find out. You'll find out. Yeah, exactly. Are you attached to them? Did I need to smoke weed seven years more than I smoked? You know, <laughs> you know could I have stopped seven years earlier? I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's true. But that's also like you can say everything, but everybody's working out their own karma. We can say whatever the tools seem like, and it's like the guru is the way. Yeah. So if the guru is the way, the guru's kind of doing the utmost the utmost flowering of the expression. So like that's if that's where we want to get, then we still need to look at the guru. Because who else are we going to look at? I mean, whose behavior are we going to are we going to believe in? Our own. Yeah, but not everybody's capable of believing in their own, especially if you're mixed up but and you what haven't if you're done totally, it. You're totally fucking flung out. You're totally lost. Don't know it. You're yes. Totally lost. Uh-huh. Don't know it. What are you going to do but do the thing that you think you're supposed to do? Like, what are you going to do? You do it. All you can do is do that. You do it. Maybe you find the Ebb and Flow podcast. Is I don't know. Maybe only... somebody hands you a copy of A Life Worth Dying For. I guess what I'm saying know. is, is the only thing that distinguishes between... You hit your bottom. 
your state of awareness. Is that all? What? Is that all that delineates any of this? Is what? your state of awareness? So say you do the thing, right? Uh, let's use a tangible example. You have a meeting scheduled. And you decide, you know what? I'm going to do a fucking Neem Caroli. I'm not even going to show up for whatever reason. I don't want to go. Fuck it. I don't want to go. Tired. I don't want to go. So then you don't go. What dictates whether or not that was the correct action? Your follow-up sensations? Your attachments to the person sending you the email saying, yo, dude, what the fuck? Like, we had a meeting scheduled. Where the fuck are you? Because then you're going to be tested. Were you really detached and you were doing what your heart was calling you to do? Or were you making a mental decision based on some other information that wasn't necessarily true to your heart? Yeah, I mean, this isn't saying be an idiot. No, no, I know, Gus. I'm just saying, like, what is the... I'm just trying to break through to the point of... I don't don't care. Whoever's listening to this, you're going to do whatever you want. Anyway, I'm over that now. And I didn't even care in the first place, I don't think. But I'm just trying to work out. I'm playing the exercise with you of what is the... What's the dividing line between, because at the end of the day, all the gurus, if they're worth their salt, they say, you are the guru. I'm not a fucking guru. You're the guru. Well, you are the guru. Well, see, to your point of, okay, Gus, you're bringing up the example of behavior by a guru, you know. That is something to take into account because as far as I know, as far as the things I've read and the and the people that I've listened to, the guru has zero karma. They have zero they might have a little karma as in the in that book I recently read, you keep just enough the guru keeps the enlightened being keeps just enough karma to stay on the planet because you need some karma to stay in your body. But the guru has no karma, no attachment in terms of what you are going to say or what your reaction is going to be. Like their heart has completely, 100%, not 99.9%, their heart has 100% committed and turned over to whatever I do, it doesn't matter what happens outside of me. So now, like you're saying, you set, you don't show up to the meeting, you get the email, you're going to have all of these reactions. So then what is your response? Well, what, it's not really like what's, it's less about your response and more about what feelings do you feel after? Do you feel bad? Do you feel like, how do you feel? I don't know. Because <laughs> I would say that the difference between a quote unquote guru and the average person in the material in the western world uh-huh would be that the guru i keep seeing this in my head 
in my mind's eye. Going back to self-will and divine will. Uh Uh-huh. The guru is just completely aligned. Yes. You've got this... Well, There's this frequency emanating out of you. Yes. That's completely out of your control. Now, you've got the spiritual plane, the emotional plane, the mental plane, the physical plane. So, you've got this frequency that emanates out of you that you could use, you could you could liken it to a, a fucking railroad track. Now, when you're talking about something as subtle as this energy that we're talking about, so you're talking about like a mental energy now. So a Western person, you might feel this thing coming. You still feel this thing coming out of you. Yeah. But because of all the conditioning and your... The things we've been talking about, people's perception of you, wanting to do the quote-unquote right thing, uh, not being able to say no, always saying yes, not being able to say yes, always saying no, because that can be really destructive too. You're not always in li- in alignment with that, with that railroad, that God railroad track that's emanating out of you. Yeah. So you're over here to the right. Because you decided, you know what, I'm going to go over here. Or you went over to the left and you're over here and you did this thing over here because your self-will is not in alignment with divine will. Yes. So on a guru, mm-hmm. you could say, is just constantly on. They're just tapped in. They're zoned in yes. right on that divine will track. Well, the guru, the enlightened being, the guru is enlightened. And I don't think there's any quote unquote guru. You're either a guru or you're not. If you're a guru, you're enlightened, you have reached yoga, and yoga means union. So it's exactly what you're describing. You're totally tapped into your divine motion, your divine will. Right. And it's and it's back to what you were saying about, God, why am I feeling this? There's still work to be done. Right. There's still shit to feel. So then it is still a practice. The guru... As Ramdas says, is a cooked goose. They're not fucking half cooked, not 99% cooked. They're 100% cooked. They're not walking around with any concern about you or yeah. about what you think about them. <laughs> they don't give a fuck. Right. It's not even that they don't give a fuck. They're not even on that level. Yeah. They're on a comp- they're they're barely staying in their body. It's why he was walking out into the fucking trees all the time and nobody could find him. He's barely there. Like I was reading Sadhguru's karma book. He, there's some good stuff. He talks about how the guru is just holding on to enough karma to stay in his body. I think it was Ramana Maharshi where, where he said, give me a glass of water. They said, why? He said, I just need to know I'm here. <laughs> you know, just, just let me do something material. You know what I mean? Wow. So it's a practice. And if your practice involves, and I believe it's all about, you know, cultivating more witness and more of your power seat. And the guru is ultimately in their power seat. If you want to call it that, if your practice means disappointing somebody to empower yourself, then practice it. If it means getting closer and it's back to what you said also 
if it if it means getting closer to doing what you want to do how many times have we been on this podcast and you say if you're not doing what you want to do you're in hell or something you basically say so isn't it all that practice yeah so then the guru is just functioning purely out of their next intuitive action yes perfect dude yeah exactly no I think that's exactly it what's the point of running around I mean trying to impress other people or being concerned with others perceptions of you or living a life that someone else wants you to like dude I mean Well, I mean, I don't know. I guess that's just the culture we live in where we ha- where we think we need to justify our existence through other people's through perceptions. Other people. Yeah. It's interesting. I think that's good, man. Okay. I don't know where else to go. I mean, I feel like that was pretty solid. What do you think about you are the guru? Who said that? I mean, Ramdas has said that. I've, I've said that. Because the guru... You have it all inside you, man. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You have it all inside you. You wake up every morning, there's nobody there but you. Yes, but through all of these different things, identifications, labels, trauma, whatever, the karma bag moves you farther and farther away from knowing that. Mm. Yeah. So you are the guru. It's just, do you know it yet? Right. Do you really know it? I'm thinking about how do you it always comes back to the same thing you have to hit rock bottom mm-hmm. or hit the wall yeah. either way you want to look at it Yeah, hit the wall or you hit rock bottom you've got to be completely desperate mm-hmm. can you get Do you get spiritual? You don't really get spiritual when shit is going well. (laughs) You don't... You don't begin the process of seeking God if you're feeling comfortable. You just don't. You don't. What purpose is it? 
as long as the things are working, you don't feel a need. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because no matter what, things always tend to appear, so it doesn't really matter. I want to say it doesn't really matter how comfortable you try to create your environment, which is fine. Don't not make your environment comfortable. I mean, Jesus Christ, we're not fucking Satan, we're not fucking masochists, you know, but the karma will be, or not the karma, the, the trajectory will be what it will be. I mean, well, that's why yogis practice asceticism. Yeah. And Bhagavan's book was one disaster after another. I mean, he <laughs> thought he was free, then fucking the new tornado would hit. You know, yeah. I mean, when he was touring with Ginsburg and had women hanging all over him, there were probably moments where he thought, I've made it. I'm in, I'm in Elysium. And then that fucking blew up. Yeah, it did. So, I mean, who knows? Back to the ebb and flow. It, it, but, and then back to the Gita. As long as you're not attached, as long, or at least, as, at least, because that, that creates a finality. Like, okay, that creates a kind of neuroticism. Like, I can't not be attached. It's like, as long as you're practicing not attaching. Just practicing. You don't have to be there yet. But ha yeah. Right? Just yeah. practicing not attaching. Fake it till you make it, dude. That's so funny. I asked Jeff Cover about that the other day. He didn't like it. Fake <laughs> it till you make it? Yeah, and I kind of had a change of heart on it too. I was like, well, we're 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 really not faking it because we are practicing it. You know? We're not because that kind of discredits ourselves. Like we are doing it. No, I know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's funny. I mean, it's just a way to say, do the actions before you have the feelings. Yeah. That's how, yeah. when I was talking to my buddy earlier, he said that to me. Oh, really? Yeah, he was like, fake it till you make it. And he said it in that way, which really resonated. You do, the feelings follow the actions. Uh -huh. You don't have the feelings and then you do the actions. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You, you start doing the actions of the thing, even if you don't feel it. Uh-huh. Look, dude, like, how do you cultivate kindness? How do you cultivate compassion? If you're really fucking pissed off at the world, or at somebody, think about your own family or your friends. Like, you, you all of a sudden, you, you know, you something has happened, and you're just like, dude, fuck that person. I don't want anything to do with them. You could go on living in that way, which we already talked about. Resentment is one of the greatest poisons we all take. But how do you get back into kindness? You start with just little gestures. Make the cup of coffee. Bring him the flowers. You're not feeling fine. You don't want to do it. You're not feeling kind towards the person. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. But... I mean, I feel like that's where the witness comes in, too, because I feel like the more witness you cultivate, the more the feelings come before the action. 
But that is interesting, kind of what you're talking about of overriding the system in a way where, which I do, maybe that's where fake it till you make it could come in. Like you're really pissed off at somebody, but then you know that the gesture or the act might flip the script. You know, but then also in 12-step programs, there's the three A's, awareness, acceptance, action. So I feel like, you know, because if you're just doing the action, then you're getting into reactivity. You're being, you know, reactive as opposed to, you know. Yeah. And then I feel like, you know, the closer you get to union, the closer you get to yoga or the intuitive heart, it's almost happens simultaneously. The actions and the feelings are so are so um, honed in and focused and lasered in that you need less time to feel out how you want to act. Like I've noticed like, yeah, when yeah. I've done this process of like, say, disappoint, like doing the thing, like disappoint somebody, but empower myself. I needed time to talk out. Okay. I'm going to do this thing. Right. I'm feeling this way. You know what I mean? But then as you go, the further you go in your yoga, yeah. the, the, it's all, it's flowing. It's yeah. flowing. So the truth is flowing. Yeah. Well, yeah, it takes a lot of time of cleaning yourself out, clearing, purifying yourself to get to the point where you just, you're free of indecision. Yeah. You know, you're free of Hurry. you're free of doubt. Yeah. There's a lot of doubt too, man. Doubt is a big thing. Yeah. Doubt's been a big one for me. Releasing myself from doubt. Because mm -hmm. doubt'll just if you doubt yourself, it's one that's super destructive. Yeah. I've been fasting all day. Nice. Feel excellent. I mean, I feel like I kind of want to go eat something, but I'm coming up on a 24-hour fast here, my G. Sweet. I love that. Um, yeah, man. This is a good one. Yeah, it was fun. The nature of evil. What is evil? Does it exist? Ignorance. I think I feel like we really broke into the yin and yang of ignorance. Yeah, we did. Um, action, reaction. This was a very yogic pod, dude. The witness. I'm Always I'm really, the witness. I'm really into the witness. I love that, dude. Yeah, the witness is big, man. Obviously. Fuck. Meditate, y'all. Hey, I don't know what else to say. I mean, you know, you're going to do what you're going to do. You, everyone walks their own path. We all have our own process. We're all getting to the top of the mountain in our own time. I don't know. Wreak a lot of havoc. Cause a lot of damage. <laughs> you probably already have anyway. <clears throat> but the more aware you become, the more conscious you become, the more mindful, awake, etc., the less damage you're going to cause. 
and the more positive impact you can have on the world around you. That's for sure true. Because unconscious living, fuck, dude, uh, it can do, really, there's no way around unconscious living causing damage, right? Very rarely does unconscious being yield positive results. I mean, good things happen by accident all the time, Mm -hmm. but majority of the time, Lack of awareness leads to destruction, Mm. I would say. We're much better off getting into a conscious state. Mm. I don't know. How do you tell somebody, hit rock bottom, brother? You got to hit rock bottom, man. We all do that on our own. (laughs) We do that on our own. I know. I know. Uh, I mean, I guess if we could just keep illustrating what that looks like or how that feels, that'll, that's helpful in itself. Just the voice will become so loud. The still small voice gets, it's, it's no longer still and small. It's It's loud, loud and cranky. It's blaring. Yeah. It's about to crawl out of your fucking chest. Yeah basically how it happened for me anyway it's like, it was like from poltergeist or the thing yeah or the thing amazing um any last words dude no all right thank you guys yeah namaste namaste y'all hey man Appreciate you guys. Check out Gus's newsletter as always, realitynow.substack.com. It's fucking lit. Uh, join the Power Tribe. Come on over to patreon.com forward slash EDS Britain. Did my first live Zoom breathwork and meditation event. It was pretty fucking awesome. Appreciate all you guys who were there to enjoy it. Come on, join the next one. All right, y'all. Love you guys. Have an excellent rest of your day, your week. And we'll see y'all on the flip side. Peace.